2: Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. Outrage. live
0: from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about. time about. for Mortgage Matters. Mortgage,
3: Matters. Mortgage, Matters. Mortgage Matters. Well, hello, hello. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Thanks much for being with us. Those that are sticking around for Motor Mouse, we're glad to have you. We're shifting gears a little bit. Uh, we don't talk so much about repairing cars as much as we do repairing finances. And Dan Podesto's out this weekend, so we've got, oh, Wes Burke. Good morning. Good morning, Wes. Thanks much for filling that chair.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm a little nervous. It's a big role to fill over here, and I've got I've to be here for a long time. Yeah, today. a
3: couple hours. We don't even have, a, you know, any other guests, so you're going you're gonna to get... You've done it before. You've done two hours. It's like a made like a seminar. You're ready, right? You're prepared. You got it in front of you.
1: Got a few things in front of me. That's all right. I got a couple ideas to talk about today. Yeah.
3: Um, what was last week? Oh, Jimbo, welcome back. You were gone.
4: For two shows.
3: Two shows in Yellowstone. Yeah, that
4: was awesome. Shoosh. Yep. Beautiful. Crazy. Oh, my gosh. Really. I was even telling Wes, just driving through places like trucky which i don't really have a reason to go through going up there just amazing it's, yeah. it's a totally different part of california yep but um yellowstone was awesome got to see a uh, moose and herd of bison and elk and yeah it was, it was and, a and a geyser and a few geysers yeah something called old faithful was up uh-huh. there yeah that was awesome sweet just amazing and uh you know well you look you look rejuvenated. I am rejuvenated. I mean, you look did relaxed. You, I am did relaxed. you also
3: get a facial?
4: Well, maybe. I, I guess <laughs> if you can call me and actually out of a air conditioned dark studio and out in something <laughs> called you know, this bright orb called the sun. Right. For a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well good awesome. for you. That Got to go on Lake Yellowstone, which you would enjoy. Yeah. Took a tour of Lake Yellowstone. How was that? Awesome! If you yeah. ever get up there, you got to do it, Jason. I'm you dying will, to you go. You enjoy that? Yeah, yeah. That's
3: definitely on the list. We, yeah. My wife and I nearly made it once before, and we mm-hmm. there was a fork in the road, and we turned away from Yellowstone. Uh, so I, that's actually of all the places I've been in the United States, Yellowstone's one of the places I've yet to go. I got to.
1: It's and been
4: Yellowstone
1: never... Falls is awesome too. Like,
4: yeah, I highly but Was it plenty wet
3: there? Yes. Good. Mm-hmm
1: been a number of years since i was there but the one of the most interesting things that i saw in yellowstone was an area that had burned if, uh, about three years before mm-hmm. i was there and yeah. to, to see how the regrowth was so vigorous it was it was completely fascinating and i, I guess uh we're in for some of that regrowth here locally aren't we your <laughs> yeah.
4: transitions Why? i mean are flawless <laughs> and uh, that that regrowth is even more impressive now west i'm just letting you know that's, when, I was, that's good. when I was on my way down the grade right now, I
3: saw a bunch of trucks, um, CDF trucks that looked like they possibly were heading out of town. I know that um, some of the airstrike crews got placed on standby yesterday. It seems oh. like the, the fire <laughs> containment is ever improving. And uh, I ran into some firefighters yesterday in the store and... Um, it sure is nice to have those <laughs> folks over there fighting fires, huh? I mean, Wes, you guys got evacuations were probably, what, as the crow flies, would you say two miles from your house? Yeah,
1: mile and ish? a half, something like that. Something like that. I mean, that's close. You got, yeah. I,
3: was, I heard
1: you wondering. I was uh, sitting in my hot tub and uh, watching flames. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so it was, it was close. Smoke, I still, I'm pretty convinced that I still smell like a campfire. Probably will continue to, yeah. It got smoky
3: over there, yeah. but sure is nice that the uh, the fire. I mean, I don't think anybody's even worried about it anymore, at least the the citizens around town. Um, the fire, firefighter personnel up there are doing a great job, so they are.
1: And thanks to them, uh, what a, an incredibly taxing job! But uh, Jason, you and I were rolling down the grade. A couple days ago, together, and uh, we saw a, a line of firemen all geared up, dragging a hose straight up. with
3: shovels and and hand picks and everything, literally straight up, straight hundred degree heat. Yep,
1: mm-hmm.
4: remarkable. Those guys, you just you can't say thanks enough to, yep. to what for those for what they're doing. Well, that's what we got to look at. This is law enforcement and the fires fire guys. They're the real heroes. Yeah, I guess it's- a lot of people get the hero brand, but they really are.
1: Yeah, they're out there doing it, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. And
3: are you brave enough to look at your stock accounts this weekend? Brave enough to check in on that four hundred one k?
1: Well, I saw that uh, on Thursday the the market lost about three fifty, and then yesterday I had I had kind of uh, been away from the office for a couple days, and I found myself in a at a frantic pace trying to make up for the time out of the office and before i realized what what was going on it was about four thirty or 5 o'clock and i popped up my uh, computer and saw that we lost another 500 points 500 and something yesterday so that's, that's the
3: biggest single day drop in the dow in just about four years um and you know so i uh, i was interested to see you know kind of
1: why what do you think what'd you see well, the, one of the articles I read this morning in preparing for the show um, suggested that it has a lot to do with the um, government's involvement in getting us out of the recession, um, printing money, for example. And uh, one of the theories that, that I read was that there was just so much money printed and there was uh, inflation was kept under check, and that was largely because lots and lots of money was being dumped into the stock market. And as the the threat of uh, money tightening moves from the Fed, uh, there appears to be um, reason for people to start to get some of that money out of the market, and then it becomes, you know, I guess as usual, some kind of self fulfilling prophecy. Once there's a inclination for the market to uh, let some uh, gas off, then uh, a lot of people will kind of panic panic sell. So, yeah,
3: and you know it's it's. I think, obviously, it's kind of a complex issue, and a couple of the things that we learned last week, I mean, first and foremost, uh, I, and and those of us that are tracking this stuff every day are keeping a pretty close eye on this, but um, the feds, midweek, released the meeting minutes um, for their last meeting, and, you know, we already got the policy, right? They said they weren't raising rates. We know they didn't raise rates, um, and... We get a little bit of a statement in terms of what's going on. You know, that usual talk of inflation remains below expectations. There's been good good growth and stability in the job market. We're looking for continued improvement there. September is a, a pretty likely time that rates might go up, so it seemed. Um, then we benefit from... Uh, a couple more weeks worth of data, a jobs report that sounds pretty good, um, a handful of different things that are that are reinforcing this idea that the economy is on the mend and and getting pretty ready. Um, you know, we had a couple of different uh, members now of the Federal Open Market Committee have stepped forward and said that they believe. Now is a, um, a, an appropriate time to begin raising interest rates, and so those things made a little bit of a splash. Those comments, but this week when we got the actual meeting minutes, what we learn is, um, I think the tone here is that the Feds really aren't policymakers aren't in a hurry to raise interest rates. Um, the meeting minutes seemed a bit on the dovish side and don't actually provide a very clear picture. So that doesn't feel like it's as imminent as September when you read through those remarks. Uh, But then what you do find out is that several members noted material slowdown in the Chinese economy. And uh, I don't I don't profess to be uh, an expert really of any economy, much less the Chinese economy, but they've been going through some pretty tough times over there in China. Um, And with the drop in activity there, the feds are now concerned and actually making comment that this could pose risk to the U.S. economic outlook. And I think the other thing that, that we learned this week, and let me just elaborate on that a little bit. It's so intertwined with the next part of what I want to say. But first of all, China is a big contributor to the global economy, right? I mean, they.
1: Oh, without a doubt. A lot of people. Second largest economy in the world.
3: That being said, if they're hitting the skids, you got to know that there's going to be a drag then on the global economy where there's not going to be that, that I, I want to say trade balance. I, I feel like it at times is an imbalance, but just that activity in the market has a lot to do with the strength of the global economy. So as that slows down, then you could expect that there is some effect on the U.S. GDP because the global economy shrinks a little bit. The exports and all that activity of that that is off of U.S. soil begins to slow and get um, a little bit hampered as well. Additionally, we have this drop in oil prices right now. Um, that's been the tone, I think, for pretty much this year right i mean didn't it start somewhere around winter december january or something we started to
1: see oil prices fall gas prices fall yeah there was a little bit of a, a bump in the other direction there for a while but it's...
3: it's going to be hard for me to convince some of the slow natives here that uh oil getting cheaper because locally we've been experiencing a higher price at the pump unless you're driving something diesel powered um and so But largely, I mean, there are parts of the country right now that are selling gas for a couple bucks a gallon, and it's expected that the values um, and prices of the oil and petroleum be going down throughout the remainder of the year, which again puts a little bit more, um, it puts a little bit, kind of hampers the likelihood of inflation, right? So if the feds were going to raise rates in the month of September, they were going to raise rates. Because, and, and they've made this statement more than once, but that they they believe that there's a um, reasonably confident that inflation will reach its its target of that 2% number. So in staring down the face of further declining energy prices, it's harder to get reasonably confident. That then begins to push back when the feds might change rates. Um but I think what's an interesting thing here, and just to kind of zoom out and and talk these these bigger ticket things, um, generally speaking, when the Feds raise rates, what happens there? I mean, generally, when the Feds are pushing up rates, especially in the beginning when they first start to move it, you expect the stock market's going to go down, right? Sure. Yeah, you're going to suck a little bit of money out of the economy. You're going to make it a little bit more expensive. For companies to borrow money, um, everything gets a little bit more expensive. And that, at least in the short term, is going to cut down on a little bit of the economic growth. Um, Probably going to, I mean, unless it's just booming fast enough to power right through a change in policy and the the implementation of some rate hikes, you're going to expect a little bit of a slowdown. So I see that you would... Under all these headlines, wouldn't you kind of draw the conclusion that, hey, you know what, you guys? It's probably not going to be September now. I mean, that most most of the opinions here, the people that really were saying September is the month have, have recanted and said, okay, probably not September. So you would expect as those meetings minutes come out and we kind of get reassured that rates won't be going up in September, you'd expect the stock market probably actually take a little gain there. But in fact, that's sort of happening at the exact same time that we're seeing China, their markets, the yuan really having a lot of trouble. Devaluing
1: the yuan is a a big deal. That has a big impact on the American economy. So
3: in all that being said, we kind of wrapped up where, I mean, felt like the S&P gave back a couple years worth of profits. Uh, the Dow certainly gave back some profits, hitting some of the a single-day single, single day sell-off, one of the biggest ones here in four years. Not a great week in that market. Um, interest rates for home loans, generally when the stock market is going down like that, the money's moving over into the bond market. Um can push those rates up a little bit did not the rates more or less held steady if anything i'd say it's a, a negligible decline over the week so um, happy to report it didn't create too terrible um, of a volatility in our side of the business but still um, all of these things that we're experiencing the big sell-offs the um, this volatility and the fear it just kind of is a reminder too of a couple things. Number one, how well the stimulus package worked when it was um, rolling. I mean, we kind of got away from that volatility after after tarp and you know, when we got in the real throes of q e two before it was running out, and then q e three when that was just running normal, we had a lot of, i want to say normal days without big radical swings of. Couple hundred points up a day, and then a couple hundred points down the next, or or whatever, um, kind of smoothed out a lot of those ripples. And and today, we're we're definitely seeing volatility again. If things are going up, things are going down, things feel like they're going sideways, and don't really know what
1: to expect next. Um, but a lot of the articles that I read are comparing this to the crash of '87, and so of course over the weekend, especially the. Conspiracy theorists will will be um, yep. expecting Monday to be uh, to be horrific. Big
3: big day down.
1: Big day down. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens. there's some definitely you know what? some anomalies.
3: I'm gonna go sell all of my stocks and move into cash on everything in case that happens. I won't lose money with all you clowns.
1: Oh, great. You're just going to help drive it down. (laughs) That's kind
3: of the irony of it, right? I mean, obviously, I said that tongue-in-cheek, but that's really what happens is once you sort of create that mentality of like, oh, crap, I remember what happens when the Dow goes down by 30%, and I am not sticking around for it this time. And then the other thing too, that is, I don't feel like I have a great handle on how this works or how much the volume is, but some of the programs, there's programs that have buy and sell trigger points in the software, right? I mean, you've heard about this before, haven't you? Absolutely. So (laughs) if it crosses below this threshold, fire sell it, right? And so you're Wow. If you if we get enough headlines and we get enough people spooked and we start freaking out, oh, man, the feds are about to raise rates and everything in China sucks and the global economy is going to hell and we can't do anything here to save ourselves, just get your money out of the stock market. And if you do that, I mean, that's essentially like Black Friday where we just continue to repeat the same things. Uh, and if it got pretty crazy, you might even see the the um, stock market close here. Wouldn't that be fun? It's happened in other places Yeah, recently. Um, guys, we're going to go ahead and take the first commercial break here of the show, take some time out to thank the sponsors that helped make the show possible. Back in a couple minutes with more Mortgage Matters.
0: Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
2: For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The
5: state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. I called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone without personal service my policy's kind of worthless get to a better state state farm
0: switch to state farm and you can save
6: to find out more in san luis obispo call agent susan rodriguez
7: we're the mortgage experts on the central coast central coast lending central coast lending when you buy or refinance a home just call 543 loan just call 543 loan just call 543 loan -loan. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending.
2: Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts.
7: You're tuned in
0: to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason, from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. <laughs>
3: All right, everybody. Welcome, welcome. If you're just joining us, I got the uh, lovely and talented Wes Burke here with me today for the whole show because Dan is out uh, recreating. Where is Dan? Where is he? His exact whereabouts are unknown. Oh, wow. Um, No, every year he and his dad and his uncles and... I think cousins and a few other you know it's a it's a men's trip. They do like a men's
4: camping trip and maybe they he's taking his son maybe know. this time. I don't know. The I don't son know. might be a little bit young.
3: Yeah, I think he's probably a little bit young to be like, you know, yeah. dealing in the dirt for 7 days. I think at that age you yeah. could you can camp overnight maybe a couple. You know how dirty kids get when you camp? Yeah. Very dirty. It's so. dirty business
1: that camp in this dirty business. Hey, let's uh I bet that there are a lot of smarter people than us listening to this show. Let's see if we can get them to call in and share their opinion about what's going on and what's going to go on with the stock market. Yeah, and maybe
3: just tell us if you're planning on selling.
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. But,
3: 543-8830. That's the call-in number. Uh 543-8830. I, I kind of wanted to backfill a couple of the points that we were talking about in terms of, um, you know, first of all, the labor market, what's been going on there. Um, Janet Yellen took over the uh, chairman, the Open Market Committee, right? this I mean, this the Federal Reserve <laughs> Committee gets together, somebody's running it. And um, so it's been Janet Yellen now for a while, and... You know, I don't know how to say whether she's doing a good job or not. I, I'm not even qualified to say so. Um, but I'll tell you, a couple of the things that she came in and started talking about were probably not on my radar, and I and I would suspect not on many people's. I mean, the first one is um, that called the the jolts, and she said this was something that on her dashboard she paid particular uh, particular attention to this metric which is the Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey. And they call it JOLTS. That's the acronym, obviously. Um, watching it for month over month to see how the economy's trending. Um, so in terms of the job openings, they tallied $3.35 million, um, for the month of May. And then for the month of June... Five point two five million. Now that, and then also, you know, the turnover there. They said the the other this is called the quits rate. And I like the quits rate. This is a good one because you know, if you're at work, this is. I think this is one of the more telling ones of all the numbers we get to see. If we're at work, and the boss is a jerk, or the Air conditioning's just too cold. Tired of seeing my breath at my desk. So many better jobs out there. Better paying jobs. I'm going to end up happier. Take this job and shove it. I quit. That, you only get comfortable enough to do that when you're relatively sure you're going to land on your feet pretty quick. Right? Sure. If the... Jobs market is such that i got to tolerate sitting in this ice-cold cubicle next to Leisure Suit Larry who's driving me nuts with the disco jams all day next door. I don't feel confident that I could get a new job. I am not likely to just go running out. So the quits rate is a pretty important one. Um, And Janet Yellen considers this a key indicator of the labor market. Um, The quits rate is holding pretty steady. Um, 1.9%. Job openings rate was 3.6% for a third straight month, and the number of hires was 5.2 million, which is virtually unchanged month over month. What that means is, in this recent look back here, is that that JOLTS report is signaling a relatively strong jobs market. And um, that, of course, is something that the feds are really concerned with is the strength of the, the jobs market. Um, in the jobs report that we got for the month of July, um, they upwardly revised non-farm payrolls from 231 to 200. I'm sorry, from 223,000 jobs created, uh, as now sits at 231,000 jobs. So, little bit of a bump there in terms of how many jobs were created last month um, and then just that of course the labor report comes out the first Friday of every month what comes out every single Thursday is initial jobless claims and this number this week was um, could nothing short of just jaw to the floor unbelievable um, 227,000 initial jobless claims in the week Uh, I realized that, I mean, the prior week was 270. We've been running below 300,000 since the month of March. I don't expect people, I mean, some of our most loyal listeners here will recall that we we talk about this number most every week. I kind of got tired of talking about it lately because it's been just under 300,000. And when it hit that mark, I said, you know what? That's hardly worth keeping in the repertoire on account of that's pre-recession norm. Uh, going back to 2003, 2004, initial jobless claims every month were in the neighborhood of 260, 270,000. So now that we kind of return to that, that's cool. It's really kind of not worth talking about until it goes back up to 400, 500, 600, 700,000 initial jobless claims a week. We saw numbers like that at the, um, you know, in the 2008 era. So, getting a reading this last week of initial jobless claims plummeting to 227,000 jobless claims—that's remarkably low. Further supporting that JOLTS data, as well as an upward revision that the jobs market uh, is good. I it mean it's strong. Now I realize wages are still lagging. We've got that little bit here to fix up. That's got to be
1: giving the feds some real confidence. And then usually well, I suspect it's though it's that kind of analysis that that has had the feds posturing that rate increases were imminent. But getting close. Then you throw on in, the other end of the teeter-totter, throw in a big curveball and watch the market go down 1300 points in 10 days. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And and again, kind of grasping at those bigger economic concepts, when you have a a country with good employment like this, um, creating good jobs and staying relatively steady from month to month, um, very few jobless claims, those would generally bolster up the stock market. That usually means, hey, Invest some money into these businesses because they're cranking. They're they're about to catch their stride and do really well. So you know in the face of that when we run into these troubles that are going on in the global economy, that we actually, you not only are you undoing those gains or maybe preventing those gains, you'd almost just think it would flatten out, right? U.S. is looking pretty strong with the global economy's kind of weak. So plus two here, minus two there, let's call it a wash. Not so much. We had significant, significant runoff um, in the stock market over the last week. That should really drive home the point of how significant um, the energy, the global economy, and, you know, kind of what we face. But there's not a lot about that that we can actually control. But one thing's for sure is that when there's a divergence in interest rates between the U.S. and other countries in the world where we need to raise rates, like I mean, if we had inflation that we couldn't get under control, I'm I still not quite sure how we don't have that right now. But if we did, you'd be forced to begin raising rates just to try to – you know, throw a little water on the fire and cool things down. But instead, there's no real inflation. So now it's sort of just a um, kind of just sit there with the choice. If you raise your rates, though, and start to take off on these other economies, um, you, you start to damage yourself, um, start maybe to have a real impact on exports and maybe make the dollar too strong, have those kinds of problems. So I want to suggest really that it's sort of a um, just the prerogative of the Fed. Do you want to? Is it time? We don't have to. Um, would you be poking the bear with what's going on with China or with energy and lack of inflation? Should you go monkey with it or let it go a little bit longer until we move away from that time that – you're reasonably confident there will be inflation, or do you wait until we're reasonably confident we just counted inflation? Um,
1: it's it's a really tough spot, and and the the Fed has the um, kind of the obligation to figure this stuff out before anybody else, because the, the reality is <laughs> takes a long time the, to change the course. Their moves their moves do take a long time to have an impact, and they need to be um, not reactive. They need to be out ahead of the game yep and um, and I think all of the all of the ammunition that you've just spoken about is why they've had the position that they've had kind of you know preparing they've stepped into the batters box to raise the rates and uh, but th- this uh is a significant turn of events in the last week and and I'm not sure how that's going to affect their decision but I suspect it is not something that they had um, worked into their into their analytics you know yet so there's uh, i bet there's some some fed folks that aren't sleeping real good right now trying to figure out how to sort this out i mean some of the some of what's interesting about all of this to me is trying to figure out what happens to the money that that leaves the the stock market so i'm reading here that about six and a half billion um left the markets this week alone um i see that some reasonable amount of that went into safe investments like uh, precious metals about 18 million that's not very much compared to 6.6 billion
3: and usually you you move money by the way into the commodities sure. when you're worried right. about inflation worried about economic growth not confident in which economy is worth betting on that's when you go whoa let's pull out and go into precious metals where we can just kind of wait for the shoe to drop and and not be the one that took the majority of the bleed Right. And I got to wonder if enough of the financial advisors that, I mean, could you imagine answering those phone calls when people were calling up 2008, The your stocks are, psh, you had an investment account with your rep at, you named the company, it had a million bucks in it and now it's got 600 grand. Right. How did that happen? Why did you let this happen? I, I, this is, you said we were diversified. I can, I just can't imagine what those phone calls were like for those people, um, for a while. Um, so this time you got to wonder uh, when you get a couple good days of sell off, like the it's a single biggest sell off day in four years, uh, Who, who's some people are moving some money? Some people are trying their darndest to keep the phone from ringing that way again. What sure. do you mean? I'm
1: trying to stay out ahead yeah. of it too. Yeah.
3: I pulled up my, uh, my 401k last night, just, you know. I was reading this thing. Said, "Who's brave enough?" I'm brave enough. I don't care. I don't care if I lose money in my 401k. And I, (laughs) I pulled it up, and I was like, "Damn you!" Oh, now you care. Now I care. The money I put in this year, there's less than that in there. I mean, not for the whole running total, but in my mind, I kind of, I just want to survive a year. I put in my deposit every month. And, you know, at the end of the year, I need it to have grown by what I put in and plus some. I don't care how much. I just don't want to be losing my principles. The money that I'm putting in there, yeah, I'm saving for tomorrow. But I'm also trying to duck a tax bill. So as long as what I put in there isn't eroding, going down, being cannibalized, disappearing, vaporizing. I don't know where it goes. As long as it's not going down, I don't really care. But I pull a thing up, and it's down for the year. I'm like, oh, man, this year's direction is
4: lower than the actual dimes that I dropped in the pig. Even if you made a dollar, you'd feel better about yourself, right?
1: Yeah. I just don't want to lose <laughs> some money. But see. I think you're, you're really... You're describing what people go through when the market is as volatile as it is right now and, and a lot of people will make the decision that, you know what, this is painful enough right now. I'm just gonna move this money to something safer. And a lot of those people are moving into the bonds market. So two and a half billion of that six point six billion went straight into the bonds market. So Well, we were talking I mean, I we tracked that ten year
3: um yield around our office quite a bit. I'm around your office quite a bit talking about it in fact. Um it's one of the measures like if you you're having trouble understanding if rates are going up or rates are going down from one day to the next or how about in the day. I mean mortgage interest rates change sometimes several times a day. So keep an eye on the 10-year yield. There's a relationship there and you know it's been been bucking 240, 250, 227 230, 240, 250, 260. Um this last week that thing was at 2.05. And yeah, it popped up to like 2.15 and then 2.08. But there was some talk on by Tuesday, I think, Wednesday. We were wondering if it could go below two. And if it could, that would like essentially signal another refi boom. By the time all the dust settled, um, so yeah, it's a some. When, and you, when those yields go down like that, that's where the money's racing over, right? I mean, i I always try to keep a, a hat on on this show of helping people understand just really basically. Probably because I feel like that's the only draw to it. That's
1: <laughs> the only way I'm going to
3: understand it. <laughs> Otherwise, you nobody just wants to to tune in and listen to us talk. Um, it's the, I think the value here is making these things more digestible to the person that's not all up in the market. But so if I got a bond, it's got a buy price and a yield, right? If you're going to buy it from me. And then I'm going to give you back some interest in, in for the buy price. And then at the end, you get back your principal and you've made your interest. And it was a good little investment. If there's a like a lemonade stand of bonds and I'm out on the corner and I'm like, I got your bonds over here. And they're a yield of two and a half percent. And no one's coming to my line because... The stock market is across the street from me, and this guy's going all record, all time highs. So I'm like, I'm over here waving bonds, and everybody, okay, it's not working out. So I got, um, I can, my yields can go up to try to bring them in. But what's better, I could just kick back over here. And then when my buddy across the street, the stock market starts hitting the skids, right? Dump truck goes racing through his stand and just blows the thing up. Now now look at my line. Everybody wants my bonds now. So, psh, yeah, they were two and a half. You should have come three days ago and got those. Now they're 2 we are going to give you 2% yield because you all want them. So get in line and I'll start selling to you less than what they were a few days ago. That's what happens in the bond market. That money moves over. That new interest, that new demand goes Fine. I'm going to charge you more to buy it and give you less return to take it. And that's what we see happening. And that the reason we care about that is that mortgage-backed securities trade in a way that are predictable like a 10-year treasury. That's like about the most normal. People always ask about that because you can buy, you know, the six-month treasury, two-year treasury, five-year treasury. There's a 30-year treasury. So why wouldn't a 30-year loan be more like the 30-year as opposed to the 10-year? And the answer is, as an investment vehicle, they perform similarly. The mortgage-backed security has a lifespan of about 10 years. So we use that 10-year bond as a benchmark for it. But that's what happens. The stock market goes down six and a half billion dollars moves over when that moves over you're gonna see the yields drop out and typically you're gonna see interest rates follow that too by declining so i'm excited to see what next week holds on my side and unlike many of you when my stock account or my 401k is hitting the skids i am pushing the woohoo button on extra business so it's kind of a nice way I expect to have an influx of new lower rates where we'll do more business and hopefully make up for anything that's lost in the market but um, so I'm not exactly yeah, rooting just the same you are
1: one of the things that makes your lackability factor uh, go down frankly mm. Jason <laughs> is is when you know everything is good you seem to be pretty mopey and down in the dumps because refi business is slow And when everybody else gets nervous and upset because their overall uh, net worth is declining because of volatility in the stock market, you come in dancing with bells on your shoes. Hey, man. I had a buddy um,
3: from the Navy, and he said their their big saying was, choose your rate, choose your fate. And... Uh, I'll just remind you that in this great capitalist economy, everybody can choose what they do for a living. So don't hate on me if uh, my voodoo doll looks different than yours, man. (laughs) Yeah, I'm putting pins in the global economy. (laughs) I'm trying to drive the stock market into the toilet.
4: (laughs) I'm going to back you up, Jason, because you told my boss I needed a raise. I totally did. (laughs) And you do. You deserve a raise. I didn't like say you needed one. That makes it sound like your shoes are old. I said oh, okay. you deserved Deserve one. Okay. Well that's cool. Appreciate that.
3: Yeah, you bet. Hey guys, um heck, you know what? I don't I don't even know how much money you make. I think he should double it.
4: I'll I'll say that. Oh, this sounds good to me. <laughs> and I'm not the one signing <laughs> payroll, so what do I care? <laughs>
3: We're going to do the final commercial break here of the first hour. So we'll take a few minutes to thank the sponsor. Be back with more Mortgage Matters.
0: Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543 8830 or 800 549 5832. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending.
3: I see you at our kids' little league games. I bump into you at the grocery store, and it's always fun when we pass each other at Farmer's Market. I'm not a national bank or a faceless website. I'm a local lender, accountable, competitive, and ready to help. Call Central Coast Lending today.
7: When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Home Central Coast Lending.
2: Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate Number 018-39608.
6: NMLS Number 328-358.
7: What a state of generosity! Look what my agent got for me just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm.
0: Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to CentralCoastLending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending.
6: Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. A woman done left
3: and took all the reason I was working for. All right. This is the theme song for the
4: Joltz Report, what I was talking yeah. about earlier. Mm-hmm. See, Jim really does deserve a raise. He's the best you. engineer on the planet. I'm not saying anything by playing this about coming back. I'm just saying that, you know, <laughs> what you referred to coming back from yeah. the previous break. There the quits
1: rate, holding steady at 1.9%. There it is. Jim Jim is not saying with that song that he demands a raise. It's- no, no,
4: I'm not saying that. No, <laughs> not at, not at all. not yeah. saying that one wouldn't be welcomed. Either. It would be nice, <laughs> yes. But oh yeah, man. Sure. Who
3: doesn't want to raise? Well, absolutely. It makes up for that like smaller carton of ice cream that you're getting for the mm-hmm. same price or more, yeah. and your bar of soap that's like scooped out on the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying?
4: Yeah. Everything we're buying feels like it's. Smaller. It's not two quarts anymore. It's one point seven five, right. or one something like that. Something like that. Mm-hmm. It's obnoxious. Yeah.
1: So, how does the 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 conversation we're having about the um, effect of stock market crash on the bond market, um, and and it kind of naturally putting downward pressure on interest rates? How does that impact the Fed's decision about what to do with interest rates? Does this mean they leave it alone because there's instability? And uh, they don't want to upset the confidence in the marketplaces? Or does this mean that they increase the rates anyway to offset some of what's naturally occurring in the marketplace?
3: You got to remember that um, movement at the that kind of uh, level setting monetary policy for the entire nation is going to have significant. Impact. It's more than just saying, "Hey, look, everything got worse by a quarter." So if we, you know, raise rates a quarter just to put it right back to snuff, no one will even know. It's like we just sneak one in there. No big deal. Not even worth talking about for two years, right? Um, no, not at all. The reality of it is, is that it's a. It has to do with. Um, I think the bigger picture has to do with what are they doing? What precedents are they setting? And is the, you know, I, we, we look, we've been through, what's the biggest difference about this recent federal reserve? Can you think of a time, by the way, when people cared so much about it? I mean, Wes, admittedly, I'm not as old as you are (laughs) prior to this recession. How keyed into
4: what the feds do, were you? admittedly he's not as old as you are sorry i mean yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is wow. i lack back to jason's likability no i the, lack the, that, the studios right behind i you. lack yes. that
1: tenure <laughs> that sage wisdom that you
3: just get for just just for wandering the earth's crust for that many more years tell me though prior to this recession how keyed into that are you when you're paying were you paying close attention did it matter? Um, no, your
1: point's well taken. I I was actually paying attention, but not nearly as much as I have in the last few years. And you probably have a better understanding of how it all works now, right? Well, I'd like to think so. I still
3: don't consider myself an expert. But sure, but I mean, a few years ago, um, could you have confidently named the the Fed chair?
4: Maybe. Yeah.
3: I don't think most people can. How about this? Let me ask it this way. If I just showed you pictures of the people from the Open Market Committee, would you have confidently been able to pick out of of each of the terms, confidently been able to pick out the chair?
1: Mm, No, probably not by photo. Which you can today, right? Yeah, probably
3: so. One of the goals of the Fed— um, years ago, basically when Bernanke took the helm, one of the big goals of the Fed was to provide some more transparency. One of the best ways to calm the market was to help people understand what are they doing? What are they measuring? When they meet, what do they talk about? And and will they answer our questions? And will they be accountable? And will they, will they admit to what's working and what's not? And will they you know use such deliberate language and then explain what's meant by the language and and that was the biggest thing about the fed um is in from this last recession that was a big goal was that we wanted the fed wanted us um they wanted so much more transparency they wanted us to know what's going on in there and that's cuz I mean, we started this show today talking about the stock market, about how we joke that we may as well go sell out, right? Just sell off, get out. You're about to get pummeled with everyone else. Save yourself. Um, That's the last thing the feds want. They want us to know what's happening and why. They want to reassure us and prevent the panic. They want us to understand the significance of the mindset and mentality of um, all of the investors and you know, and not even just about the stock market, but also about the way the Fed backs the economy, what monetary policy can do, what fiscal policy can do um, to to thaw a frozen market or spur on a market, or also to cool an overheated market. Um, and I do, I think many people have learned a lot more about that during this recession than they knew ever before. So from that standpoint, I think the feds have actually done a pretty good job. Now we'll just have to watch this next season once they come out and, and raise rates the first time. And then what happens from there? They raise them steady every meeting. Do they raise them this month and not raise them next month? um and then raise them again the following month. What if you raised them and then didn't didn't raise and then maybe even reduced back a quarter, right? Hey, that raise didn't didn't do what we hoped it would do and then we didn't raise rates for a couple months. So now we're pushing it back down um to foster a little bit more growth, a little more inflation um and then sort of try again. I like to think of the interest rates thing as like um, horsepower of the plane kind of thing where if you're trying to take off and it's just not working quite right you might have to let go of some luggage or people I don't know whatever it takes to to get that thing nosing up and once you see how it flies you can Stop chucking stuff out the window, right? And then, likewise, if it's flying really well, you kind of add some stuff back in and see where it starts to lose altitude and, you know, just keep a real active game plan with it. I like to think that's exactly what's going on here. And when the feds are talking about jobs and housing and inflation, these are things like, you know, wind and weather and tornadoes and things like that, right? So, this is what they're just, This is the fight plan, and they're telling us now that, hey, we're getting pretty darn close to having to push rates up a little bit. I think one of the best things about rates going up when they do um, is it'll be really nice to know that the feds have all their tools back. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like... If we experience another crazy crisis tomorrow, I I don't know what it is. Is it China? Is China the crisis that's actually going to be the next biggest thing for us to worry about? If so, if the Fed's our defender there and going to see us through that crisis, I want them to have all the tools. If we've got hangover tools deployed because we never put them back in the bag... Then we're going into the next crisis without all of the pieces to make the progress or stop the bleeding or whatever. So, when we started the tapering, I was like, okay, cool, because once we get out of tapering, that's a tool available again, right? It was just a couple years ago now. The feds were they were we were buying eighty-five billion dollars a month to keep things firing and keep things running and keep things moving. Um, and it was on QE3 was like an indefinite thing. This could go on forever until the economy improves. Well, what if you really needed that and you were already doing 85 billion a month, that can only go so far. So now we have a year under our belt of none. We're not we're not doing that at all anymore. So if you need it, we know how it works. We also know how to put that sword back in the sheath and have it ready for the next battle. So it'd be nice, actually, to see rates go up a little bit so we have that tool back that we could cut rates out and spur on growth if and when we need to. Sure. Um, obviously, there's pros and cons to all sides of that.
1: Yeah, so for the next hour, I'm going to make you shift the conversation into what all of this means for the housing market. I was going to say the same thing to you.
3: <laughs> I wanted to talk about that, actually, because that's that's really um, – I think where the rubber meets the road, especially for this show, is what does all this mean in terms of, you know, it's in effect affordability, um, obviously also a complex thing there too with supply and demand, but the greater the greater elephant in the room within real estate I think is perception of real yeah. estate value. So we're, we'll chat about that when we get back. We got another hour to go. So go water the dog, freshen your coffee, do what you got to do. We'll be back for a whole nother hour in just a few minutes uh, for more Mortgage Matters.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason.
7: Turned 35 last Sunday. And his hair he found some gray. But he still ain't changed his lifestyle. He likes it better the old way.
1: Alright everybody, welcome back. never mind about that raise, Jim. This just turned into the Wes is such an old guy (laughs) show. You're not that old, buddy.
3: I didn't mean it like that. It's been obviously it takes the the benefit of years. Years and years. Additional years to how many (laughs) (laughs) I just I don't have that benefit yet. Hmm. Don't don't be sad. (laughs) I'm sorry, Wes. No, it's all right. I can take it. I really didn't have any gray hair though till I started hanging out with Wes. How long have we been hanging out? Uh, forty two years. <laughs> <laughs>
4: no, I think the, the gray hair would be attributed to three kids. That's certainly business. certainly not helping.
3: <laughs> no, I sh- Wes and I have been hanging out pretty consistently, uh, I think, for yeah. somewhere in the neighborhood of probably like six or seven years. Okay. And uh I don't know. I must have shared a hairbrush along the way or something. Probably. It's, it's not contagious, Jay. It's just got to be. Yeah. It doesn't. It, my hair, you almost look like you could be my father now. <laughs> I have the same <laughs> hair as you. This oh. just gets better all the time. Salt and
1: pepper. Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You're only as young as you feel, and I feel about 14 most of the time. There
3: you go. <laughs> not, no, it's not only as young as you act. hey before the break we talked an awful lot about rates and the feds and blah 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 i want to um i kind of want to shift that a little bit over like you said into um our part of the market here where where it matters a lot um first of all last week we got a call dan and i were rapping about rates and talking about what happens when rates go up we got a call I forget who it was that called, but, um, just a great reminder that when rates go up, you know, can hammer some of the bond investments. So people with portfolios that are, you know, naturally getting a lower yield now because of manipulation where the rates have been increased, um, could really damage a portfolio and and point well taken. I mean, we, we definitely realize that, um, so, but other than that, how does this affect the day to day? That just that regular old Joe the plumber dude? Um, a couple ways. I mean, in fact, we would need, I think, uh, a week of shows to discuss that thoroughly. Um, but here's one for you. Do you guys know anybody? And think about it for a minute, Wes, Jim. Do you know anybody? That's got a home equity line of credit against their home. Mm, no, I don't. I know one. <laughs> At least one. <laughs> mm. Let me tell you about this, um, because this is a this is a pretty good example of of what happens. Okay, I, you're you're starting over. You're typing over there and stuff. It's it's like it's almost like having Dan, but it's not. Engage me here because I'm going to call on you in a minute. All right. When you have a a home equity line of credit, and by the way, a lot of people do. I think the sampling in the room here is one that isn't very representative of the whole. Um, if you run around and and poke and prod, most people, you find out that it's a lot more common than you think. Then um, you know why do people get a line of credit? They get a line of credit for a few different reasons. I mean, number one, you. Um, it was super easy in 2005. Right. Um, can we talk specifically about you and your line of credit or would you rather not? It's okay if you don't want to. (laughs) I'd probably rather not. Okay. Um, then don't, answer your questions as valid for yourself but let's just pretend that you have a line of credit and um just play along with me for like a scenario okay um because people get them for different reasons home improvement uh pay for a college education medical bills um because they ran up their credit cards they'll get them because they they wanted to buy like a A trailer at the river with a jet boat over there, so they could like drive their Hummer that's on their line of credit over to their trailer and driving their jet boat. All right. So, no matter why you got that line of credit in 2005, they're handing them out like hotcakes. You go on into the bank. I'm here to make a deposit. Okay. Well, step on up to the teller there and let sign this form too we're going to give you a home equity line of credit and um for those of you that don't have one and aren't you know confident in what it is i'm talking about it's a it's a second position generally because you usually have a first lien Um, it's a second position lien against your house that is revolving um just like a credit card maybe it's a hundred thousand dollars of credit that's extended to you and you use it. Some self-employed people use it because they've got accounts receivable and they need to pay all their bills at home and stuff. And then when the bills come in, they pay the line of credit down, sort of balance everything back out. Um, there's a lot of very responsible ways to use a line of credit. Um, but what happens is they're generally a 20-year loan. Okay, it's a, it's a 10-year draw period where during that first 10 years, you can take an advance on it and whatever you take off of it by way, I mean, they'd give you a checkbook or deposit it in your bank account or even give you like a debit card in some instances. Um, but during that initial 10-year period, you pay interest only on what you borrow. So if you borrow nothing from it, it costs you nothing. But if you draw out, you know, 20000 bucks for the down payment on the condo or whatever, um, you'll start paying interest on that. And you actually only pay interest for the 10 years. So if you use it you know, for six months and it's paid off again, then there's no interest. You just kind of keep that game going. Um, for 10 years, no biggie. When you get to the end of the 10-year mark, whatever you owe now on that line of credit is no longer interest only. It's a 10-year amortization period. And that 10-year amortization period is kind of a scary thing. Because you'd take, uh, you know, what was, let's say it's $100,000 out at an interest rate of 4%. Um, work with me now, 4% of hundred grand, four grand. For, the, for those doing quick math. Um, that would be the annual interest cost on that loan. So you break it out monthly, um, you're going to pay 300 bucks a month in interest. Close to it, right? So you, now you just—that's the interest that you're paying. You owe a hundred thousand bucks, but only costs you three hundred bucks. We know that on a thirty-year loan, a hundred thousand bucks costs you about five fifty a month. So you're not paying principal, and in that thirty-year fix, that's a thirty-year amortization back, right? So if you end up in a position where You're doing, uh, you know, you got a hundred thousand bucks on this thing and you're doing interest only, you're chipping away, you're paying 300 bucks a month. Um, Then we get to the point where we hit that period where um, the 10 years is up and now it's time to pay back. So let's just say that, um, you know, the $120,000, I'm sorry, $100,000 is plugging some numbers into the computadora here. Um, on the 10 year fixed, it's really what it would be is a 10 year amortization period now. Um, the payment, guess what it is for $100,000 amortized over uh, a 10 year period? About $1,500. That's oh, 1000 bucks a month. Nine something. Okay. That's at a 3% interest rate. Here's the bummer. The lines of credit are most always variable. So you end up with uh, 100,000 bucks today and it's variable where it's prime generally, the prime rate and it is prime plus a margin or prime prime in some cases minus a margin but it's prime plus a margin um, and so what's prime? Mm, How do you track prime and anticipate where prime goes? The mortgage, that HELOC itself has got um, caps on it. So the most it can ever go up to uh, for the typical line of credit as I've seen in my career is um, 24.99%. So I don't think it's very likely that Prime is going to get incredibly high. But um, Prime rate right now is 3.25%, okay? The Fed discount rates at like three quarters and the Fed funds rate is currently at a target of zero to a quarter percent, it's at a quarter percent. So let's go back to that person now that's during the draw period. My my $100,000 that's outstanding, if I'm just prime prime plus zero, is at three and a quarter percent today. So that's not bad. I mean, that's thirty-two fifty a year. So I break that out over the year and make my monthly payment. Um, the balance isn't going down, but it's not going up. I'm just treading water. When I hit that 11-year mark and my 100 grand becomes what we call fully indexed, fully amortized, now I gotta pay the piper back Every, I got 120 payments to do it, and the interest rate, um, I don't know. Hey, what's the interest rate going to be in 2019? I have no idea. What do you think the Fed's Fed fund rate's going to be? No idea. Think it's still going to be a quarter? Zero to a quarter? No, it'll be higher. It'll be higher. Um, Could be five. Could be. Could be five. Could be seven. Nah. I don't know. Maybe. Prime lives around seven. Prime likes six to seven. Um, Carter's been back in the news again lately. His health is kind of failing. You guys remember the Carter era? I'm too yeah. young, so I have to rely on you guys. Bit. Yeah, I um, Oh, there's another age reference.
4: <laughs> sorry, I just, I don't know. I was too young. Um, I think Jimmy Carter was a, a great guy that you might want to hang out with and have a beer or a coffee or whatever, but... President, eh, he just wasn't tough enough. Yeah. But I feel, I feel, I'm going to take the high road on the
3: politics here and and not get into that at all. Mm -hmm. But I'll just tell you, Mm -hmm. um, in infamy, if every president's known for something, um, those of you that that watched it on the nightly news or probably listened to it on the radio, I don't know. um, Yeah. Yeah. I get mm -hmm. it. Um, one of the things that happened on the watch there was that interest rates got really high, didn't they? Mm. Yeah. 18%. I mean, there was things like that going on. So, uh, I know I'm kind of laboring my point here, but we don't know what rates are going to be in 2020, but I can tell you what's happening in 2020. If you got a line of credit and you've not done something about it and interest rates hit 10%, you know, fully indexed, fully amortized. Um, that payment's fifteen hundred bucks a month, so you could easily find yourself in a spot where I've been paying three hundred bucks a month, probably even comfortably for a long time. I mean, these rates have been so low for so long that many people that have these seconds, these lines of credit, don't even realize that uh, where it can potentially go if they don't deal with it. So yeah,
1: so to make this a little more concise. What happens is your payment goes from three hundred dollars a month to a thousand or twelve or fifteen while you're paying this thing down. Yep. And and what if you can't nexus afford that? Between <laughs> that and what's going on in the stock market and how it relates to real estate is only
3: I only bring this up. I mean, first of all, I want to plug a little bit of um, what we do for a living because I want to help some people avoid those pitfalls. But Prime is. Um, not set by the Fed, but shares a pretty direct relationship. So if the feds start raising rates and they push them up by a quarter, you're currently, let's just say you're at prime plus one. So on your line of credit, you're at four and a quarter today. When the feds raise rates on a Wednesday from you know zero to a quarter to a half, right? Just added a quarter, you will your prime rate will go up on Thursday morning by a quarter. And next month, they raise them by a quarter, your prime will go up by a quarter. They raise them by a half, your prime rate will go up by a half. This is not questionable. It's not potential. It's not maybe likely to happen. It absolutely happens. Prime follows those rate changes without question then and there. So we all know that the feds don't set mortgage interest rates. That's true. Uh, the Fed darn near sets prime, okay? So that being said, um, if you've got one of those lines of credit and we know that these Fed rate hikes, the rate hikes here are impending, it's imminent. We are going to have rate hikes um, at some point in the near future. What do you do about that? Um, there's a few things you can do. I mean number one is um, consider refinancing, honestly. Um, You can go in and combine your first and your second into one new loan where you're not going to experience that great big jump. Uh, You're not going to experience your second alone ballooning to $1,300 a month. Um, and by the way, I'm talking a hundred thousand dollar loan. Some people have seconds that are two, three, four hundred thousand dollars. If you have a second for two hundred thousand dollars, you can double everything I've talked about. It's going from six or eight hundred bucks a month currently to twelve or twenty four hundred bucks a month or something it it gets big quick. Um, and mainly, the biggest reason is because it's over a ten year amortization. so, that's where you're gonna get pinched quick there. Um, we do loans where um, you can do a cash out loan on your first. just say your first is 200 grand and your second is a hundred grand rather than leave that second there to potentially cripple you later. Let's do one new loan now for 300000 bucks and just get done with the worry. Take care of it now. don't don't let it go. And I'm bringing this up today for a, a multitude of reasons. Um, don't, let's not, not it be a waste here where, um, this is 2015. Okay. Yes, it is. 10 years ago. 2005. Yeah. 2005 was like the haymaker year of the line of credit. Um, the only year that I know that just beat it was 2006, right? So we're headed into that season right now. Many people that have a a HELOC against their home, the home equity line of credit, they're gonna experience finishing that 10-year period this year or next. Um, And so I'm just saying, have a plan. And rather than put it off and not deal with it, refinance today. Get it fixed so that you're one of the last few people that get in and get it done before the rates go up. If you hang around and wait for the rates to go up, the money's going to cost you additional interest every month anyway. And then when it switches into the 10-year amortization, that's when you really feel the pinch. Um, And, you know, if you got two loans, you could take a good look at combining them into one. We tell people you got four choices. I mean, the first is pay it off. You got a bunch of money you're sitting on. Maybe that wasn't what you're planning on spending it on, but you could always just do that. Is just pay the thing off. Um, the second one is um, you could just pay down as much as you can and try to minimize its effect. If it's at a hundred grand and you can't afford to pay it off, maybe you could throw forty grand at it. At least pay the thing down so that again you don't get nailed quite as hard. Then you could refinance it um, into a new HELOC. That's one of the things that people could potentially do. Don't even do a new first. Just go back to the bank that you have or go to another bank, get a new line of credit um, that's got a new 10-year draw period. Yeah, maybe you're just kicking the can down the road, but at least you're not gonna find yourself in a big bad pinch. Um, And then you know, that last option, the fourth option is to refinance a thing all together new first new second or you know take out the first and second with a new first long-term fixed rate loan a better way to go um so I wanted to start there. I want to do a commercial break. And when we come back, what I want to talk about is when these rates go up, what's going to happen to housing. We got a couple of housing numbers from this last week to talk about uh, housing starts, uh, existing home sales. Curious to pick your brain a little bit about what kind of news you're getting out of the Association of Realtors on the state and national level about uh housing and interest rates and, and what we think might happen there. Um, so we'll we'll get into that after this short break. So stick around after the commercial break for more Mortgage Matters.
0: To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors.
5: Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch
0: to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez.
3: This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets
2: accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today.
7: When you buy or refinance a home, just call 5 Central Coast, Lending.
2: Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 01839608. NMLS number 328358. What
7: a state of generosity! Look what my agent got for me just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, state farm.
0: Switch to State Farm and you can save. find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason, from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
4: There it is <laughs>
3: Alright everybody Welcome back Alright so Is this boring? The Raid stuff boring? Yeah,
4: we, yeah. Gotta,
1: we gotta switch gears a little bit All right. Can you put me to sleep for a minute Were you sleeping?
4: Just napping Wow um. Usually, Dan gets to take a nap during the show. when anyway, he's so. over there emailing. <laughs> I see him
3: like put down the email to pick up the phone, and he texts and has a little snicker.
1: You <laughs> texting, buddy? You're a good radio guy. I mean, you you can uh, you can get on a roll. It's good. Thanks. I think.
4: Yeah, yeah. A good
3: thing, yeah. It's hard because you know usually the guy that talks too much doesn't have that much value. But here, you have to be the guy that
4: talks too much. In radio, you need somebody that talks because people give us an answer like, okay, nope. Know.
3: We've had some interviews yep. like that on the show where we bring in a guest. That's not what you need. <laughs> hoping for like an hour segment. And you could ask you know, any kind of an
4: open-ended question and still get a one-word answer. Nope. <laughs> you need to get the water guy back. That guy is great. Eric Ferangi. Yes. He will go on about water. He's interesting too, and he's He's got great information about water. Yeah,
1: dude's a talker. So you ask about uh, some housing numbers before
3: you move on from there. Let me just say real quick that the the water guy that he's referencing is Eric from Hague, Mm -hmm. Hague Quality Water. I think. Yeah, um, that dude's such a good talker that he talked me into buying his like Mac Daddy system for my house. Mm -hmm. It wasn't cheap. I mean, was it worth it? Oh my God. Was it, we have, I have, I am a water snob now. We have, I, I couldn't be happier. I was going to say I'd buy it again. Uh, I hope to not have to buy it again because it it was not cheap. I mean, it it just isn't, but, um, Mm -hmm. I did. I, I bit the bullet and bought it and then I did it on a little installment deal and then I paid it off pretty rapidly. I mean, within probably six months and, um, but yeah we have amazing water at my house i love the water at my house the whole house filtration system is awesome
4: great he's the one that can put the water in the wine glass and look at and you know sniff it and oh you 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 guys want to have some water you come on by it's
3: uh (laughs) there's good water at my house um all right. So, so across
1: California, as you were, sir, July home sales climbed to the highest level in nearly three years. So existing uh, single families across the state up 2.7% from June, up 12.7% from July of last year. Um, let's see here. Statewide median home price down 0.3% from June but up 5.4% from July of last year. The available housing stock is at 3.3 months across the state. So right now, you have just about all the earmarkings of a normal real estate market.
3: If anything, I mean, I, I'm not the real estate expert you are, but I feel like if anything, those are that's a little bit tight. months supply, you
1: said? It's on the tight side. I mean, we don't consider a normal market until you get up to about four, between about four and six. So it's very close. Yeah. So we're very close. But I think some of the things uh, that these stats suggest um, are indicative of a normal market. Like, for example, the, the fact that the median price is basically stable month over month. There's very little change. In fact, it even corrects slightly. Uh, but in a 12 month snapshot you're seeing about a five percent five percent appreciation which is certainly i think within the the range of what we d- would describe as normal and and healthy so
3: yeah my notes on the same topic interestingly enough i feel like yours are a little bit more um state perhaps sure because mine shows the median home price rises year over year five point six percent to two hundred and thirty four thousand dollars that's that's clearly a national stat. We don't have a median home price here of two thirty four, do we? No, in California it's four eighty eight. Right. Um, this puts the median home price to median income ratio around four point three times, which is higher than the historical averages. Um, we learned that nationally distressed. Sales those remember uh, short sales and foreclosures. Unfortunately, I do. Those are kind of a thing of the past around here. I mean, I obviously I'm just kidding, we still see a little bit of it, but not nearly as much as it used to be. Um, New Jersey, though, for some reason has increasing foreclosure numbers. Did you
1: see that? No, I didn't notice that.
3: Yeah, kind of a weird thing, and I, I don't care that much about New Jersey. Uh, I don't, Maybe I shouldn't say. I was going to say You're something just, negative, but uh, I don't know that much about New Jersey. It's out there, uh, over there somewhere, and they're having foreclosure problems right now. The numbers are increasing because of uh, a tough job market there. And, again, I i mean, I don't know all too much about it. I Chris Christie is the New Jersey guy, right? Yeah, I believe so. He's been bragging quite he a is. bit around his... Uh, campaign trail about how good things are there jobs wise and this kind of thing so that's kind of an interesting one that it's making headlines over here on this side of the globe about uh not being all bowl cherries there but anyway let's let's move on from there um and then we get a read here a little bit uh, about who's out buying those existing home sales. Uh, and and by the way, Wes said it quickly here. This is the existing housing stock, which is homes that have been previously occupied. This is not counting in freshly built homes um, that have never been lived in before. Those get measured in a separate category. Um, under existing home sales, we also learned that... Um, Distressed sales fell two percentage points um, year over year to seven percent. So only seven percent of the national market now is a distressed sale. A few years ago, those numbers were much higher than that. Um, and we also learned that first-time home buyers fell ever so slightly in the existing home sales category. They were a year ago responsible for a twenty-nine percent market share. Now a twenty-eight. Um, that lends itself to some of those conversations about, uh, why, you know, as it gets less affordable, uh, the first time home buyers are just able to buy a little bit less, um, investor purchases 16% a year ago, now down to 13%. So if there's some first time home buyers vanishing Um, at a clip much more noticeable the investor is leaving the market again indicative of a higher median home price days on the market um, in the existing home sales category fell from 48 days down to 42 so Again, you're seeing shorter marketing times, which means that there's a higher demand, again, supporting why we would see year-over-year gains and a higher price year-over-year. And then uh, nationally, the unsold inventory is at 4.9 months' worth of inventory. Um, You want to describe what that means, 4.9 months?
1: Well, it's just you you take into consideration the rate at which homes are being transferred going into escrow and closing escrow compared to how many homes are are coming on to the market and that's how you get that um, that supply number and they I think that the chart basically says zero to three is uh, is a seller's market and four to six is a normal market and above six it becomes a buyer's market Okay, and I I want to tie all this in local too because I think it, yeah it helps to
3: because real estate is local, real right? Real estate
1: is local, and and in San Luis, just to give you some of the same stats that we've been talking about across the state and the nation, the median home price in San Luis Obispo proper is six hundred and sixty seven thousand, up one point four percent from the same month last year. The uh, percent of non-foreclosure transactions in San Luis Obispo, 99%. Wow. So 1 in 100 is still um, got some kind of distress going on there. The number of days on the market, the average now is 50 for San Luis proper. Um, Last year in July it was 60, so that's decreased rather significantly. And um, the listing price to selling price ratio – is currently at 98.4 in San Luis Obispo, up from 97.9 a year ago. So all of those are um, strong indicators of a healthy real estate market. I bet
3: you realtors like to have those numbers at the old uh, fingertips when the buyer's like, well, yeah, I see the house is listed for 600000 and I'd like to just go ahead and offer five forty five because, you know, Obviously, they're ready to negotiate. You got to be like, man, we're getting darn near ninety nine percent of list price. Uh, if it's listed for six hundred thousand, you need to be offering like five ninety four ish is going to be your discount. Yeah, based on the norm.
1: Yeah, it's true, and it, it it's everything really is so um, drilled down to the a lot of specifics relative to a particular piece of property when you get to the point of. Of negotiating, so there is lots of variables, and and I certainly don't sit down with all my clients and counsel that they write an offer at ninety eight point four percent of list Sure, price. but your point is is accurate, and in fact, many uh, buyers they come you know relatively savvy and educated because of the internet to a to a transaction, but often the um, the desire, um, in fact, even compulsion to negotiate and win a negotiation and get a good deal forces decisions to be made that aren't always in their best interest and sometimes there's no amount of counsel that we can give to uh, coach someone around that type of approach Um, and believe me we spend lots of time trying to, um, trying to learn how best to say some of these things that are tough to hear. And it, it has an impact whether you, you gotta get this like, house bought or not. It has a, a pretty big impact on on your life. And you've got to contemplate how bad you want it. What is it going to mean if you don't get this one bought?
3: You should make a short documentary about the, um, you know, you, and you could do a little mini series, Wes. Um, first of all, these are sellers. And just do two and three minute clips of like five sellers. And it would kind of be real time. These are sellers and and this is what their expectations were. This is who they interviewed and who they ultimately selected Patterson and um, this is what the pricing committee recommended, this is where it came to market, this is where how the seller reacted, this is how it actually sold, and then capture some of that emotion along the way. Uh, would be kind of fascinating to see that, uh, for the most part, I think people are going to fall within a pretty similar box there. But the second volume of this one, uh, as the buyer, I think you're going to find um, that it, it just could be helpful where... Because what... I mean you got to know something close to this stat. How many houses, like how many years to house ratio will I be? Am I going to buy a house every 10 years or?
1: No, it's down below seven now.
3: Okay. But even still, um, seven years ago, I mean, I, the transactions have changed a lot. The landscapes a lot, the markets all different. If I bought a house seven years ago, I'm coming forward to buy today. I I, kinda, I need help again. I I'm certainly didn't master it seven years ago, and I don't know that I'm going to remember everything I learned from seven years ago and, and and deploy all of that knowledge into my new transaction, right? I mean, we just, we're at a loss because of the infrequency that we do it as a consumer. But when you're talking about that buyer and the counsel of that buyer, that interview, and you've seen it a million times, but that interview where like, husband and wife are sitting there and they're like "Yep, we just we just lost our dream home over (laughs) we tried to get a twelve thousand dollar discount and somebody else thought it was worth full price and they're just devastated i mean sometimes a buyer just has to go through that uh emotion a couple times or at least once just to realize that um that discount you tried to get is worth like four bucks a month, and now you now you like you lost your the house you really wanted because you preferred negotiating over, you know, coming to an agreement to buy.
1: Yeah, and and we see it often, and often it does take more than more than one uh, defeat before people kind of understand the dynamics of the market and what it actually takes to get a desirable property bought. And it's uh, it's tough. It's tough to watch people go through it because the reality is, if you miss that home, it may be that you don't find one you like as well or, or better for a very long time. And um, you may, so one of the one of the common outcomes is that you end up in a house that you don't like nearly as much as one you well could have bought had you been more aggressive. Another outcome is that it takes enough time for you to find something that's a suitable replacement that the market appreciation and or the change in interest costs you more than cost you a (laughs) lot more than even what you were trying to negotiate, you know, prior. So, um, but there's interesting things going on with all these dynamics. Like for example, the, the number of people, the percentage of people that are using a real estate professional in a transaction is at an all time high. Which is very interesting to me with all of the tools and resources that because are Because we're in like a
3: DIY
1: Yeah, it's, a de- it's era. A do-it-yourself era. There's tools and resources online that can bridge the gap between um, buyers and sellers. So, I mean, if you want to find a, a seller as a buyer, you can go to Realtor.com, to Zillow, to Trulia. You can find sellers out there to go approach. Yeah. But more people than ever are using a real estate professional and I'm pr- so proud of the fact that more of those people are thrilled with their experience with a realtor than ever. So after post-transaction buyer ratings, or seller Both, buyers and sellers, Ooh. post-transaction ratings are higher than ever as is the the rate at which people are using real estate professionals. Despite all of the tools and resources that are available. So I think that. uh, Well, at some point, though, too, don't you think
3: there's kind of a benefit to that? Like some of my greatest clients are the ones that get online and they do a lot of research. They start to feel like they're getting their arms around it. And then they start running into some conflicting information They start seeing that, you know what, this isn't completely cut and dry. And then they come in, you know, versus that guy that's just like, well, I heard (laughs) you guys aren't worth your salt. And those are a little bit harder than the person who really tried to get their arms around it and tried to put themselves in the best possible position they could be in for their transaction. And then they finally come in, um, you know, into the arms of the professional. That's like, no, I, I got you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick you up and fill in all those blanks for you, and help manage this transaction, and get you across the finish line, where you'll be ultimately really grateful that you finally stepped out of the shadows and engaged the pro. Those people, you know, I, I like to think that more and more people are getting that way. I mean, I feel that way. Even if you're just going to buy a TV, don't you? get in there and start for a minute. Aren't you real good at how many hertz this thing is and what kind of inputs it's got and how that stacks up in the market against the other TVs and all this kind of thing? And, ah, I don't want that 3D TV. I don't need that. You know, you become like a little pro for a minute, and then two weeks later, you don't know jack about TVs anymore. Um, I, I think that that's part of just the new consumer today by way of the internet. We we got it all. It's right at the tips of the fingers, and you got enough to be dangerous. And then the people that are uh, cognizant of that realize that when you're about to go spend half a million bucks, you might just want to know what you know, and then get a pro too.
1: Well, it's 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 certainly changed the dynamics of of how we practice, and I think it's changed it much for the better. It's a lot easier to to help people when they come empowered with lots of knowledge it's brought an unbelievable amount of transparency to the process which is I think good for for both sides of a transaction and um, while the the transaction itself has gotten extraordinarily more complicated um, the the home hunt has gotten significantly, more um, sophisticated it's aided by technology and it's it's a lot easier i mean we used to even you know back uh, when we showed clients properties and horse and buggies because obviously i'm that old um, <laughs> we would show people 40 houses before they would make an offer and that just never happens almost never happens anymore now the norm is somebody comes into our office, highly educated. They have already done an incredible amount of market research. They know what neighborhood or neighborhoods that they want to target. They come in with a list of four or five or six houses they want to see, and typically we show them those and they buy a house. You guys deserve, like, lower commission then. No, <laughs> you, sh- <it, laughs> you should see the uh, complications transactionally that exists now compared to uh back in the day when the contract was two or three pages and people um generally did business with the shake of with a with the shake of a hand it's extremely different and more difficult and rot with hurdles these days so i promise you we're spending more time per transaction than we did um, in yesteryears but we're spending less time out in the field Um, on the market side of things
3: yeah wow that's some cool insight wes um hey guys we're gonna do the final commercial break of the show jim you got that all queued up over there
4: I just got to push the button. It's
3: just a matter of go. So, yeah, we'll do the final commercial break of the show here, and we'll come back just about 10 minutes to go for the conclusion of Mortgage Matters. Stick around.
0: Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
5: state of denial is a drag and a trial when i bought my cheap insurance should have known this day would come now i've had an accident and i'm feeling quite alone called them at least 20 times but they won't pick up the phone without personal service my policy's kind of worthless get to a better state state farm
6: switch to state farm and you can save to find out more in san luis obispo call agent susan rodriguez
3: This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. As mortgage experts, we can help you refinance your home or investment property. We can lower your rate, shorten your term, or get rid of your mortgage insurance. Don't miss the opportunity to improve your financial situation. Call Central Coast Lending today.
7: Central Coast Lending
2: Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 01839608. NMLS number
0: 328358. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending.
3: all right all right hey not much time left here uh real quick i got a i had a couple more little housing things here that i wanted to to toss on
1: before you jump into that jay you know i feel like a failure if i come and do a two-hour show with you and not one person calls in oh don't you can't measure your worth by whether or not others call well, I'm just thinking that if, if I kind of grovel like this, maybe somebody. Will what do, do you want
3: them to phone. call for,
1: just to tell you that they heard s- you? Yeah, just you have, need somebody wanna, to validate you. I want the input. I want to know somebody's listening. I want to know what they think about all of this economic stuff. Okay, somebody needs to prove to me that uh, you know
3: our most loyal. We there's a there's a small army of folks that listen to the show every single week. I guarantee you, one of the regs will call.
1: Let's hear from you. Five four three eight eight three zero. 8830 if you're out there. Just Maybe call you can give I. them like a Patterson
3: Realty <laughs> mug or a shirt or something for just calling and making your day. <laughs> Have a giveaway things, over there, Wes.
4: It's Wes, it's just the things that you're saying are so genius that you answer the question before they're asked. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that's the kindest thing that's, that's been said to is. me today.
4: I know better than to uh, let
3: any of my prizes lie in just recognition.
1: <laughs> okay, then.
3: Um, you talked, we talked a lot about existing home sales. Uh, and the short takeaway there is that existing home sales rose to their highest level since 2007. Um, that's great news because that's right back at the the beginning of this whole mess we're in. We also got a little bit of a read this week oh. on new construction. Um, Sorry. Sorry. Housing starts are up 11.3% year-to-date. That means breaking ground on more homes here in the U.S. That's an increase of almost 66,000 units uh, month over month. Uh, single-family activity is what I really care the most about. These are the stick-built single-family homes. Um, those were up 11.2%, which is 40 2,200 units. Um, Multifamily starts were up 11.6%, which is 23,600 units. And then in the permits column, so those are actual starts about uh, permits are pulled, ground is broken. Um, The other one that we track is just the permit side of the permits being uh, applied for and taken out as for permits. Uh, While they're up 14.2% year to date, which is 85,800 permits, single family permits are up just 8.8%, which is less than the rise in single family starts. Um, I won't worry that much about that, because those numbers can be a little bit volatile. Um, Bottom line is, most everything we see in the housing market, you want the quick dirty summary? There's not a lot of inventory. It's on the probably the high side, low side of healthy, right? Prices are up because of that limited supply. Um, And we're seeing builders come out to build some new homes and those are being relatively well received in the market. So if it is all about jobs and housing, um, we're doing pretty good on both what we need next is wage growth
1: right well maybe i i i think what we need right now is to understand what's about to happen to the stock market
3: uh my prediction is um nothing it's gonna be fine leave your money
1: there don't be part of the problem david and morrow bay belled me out here and saved the show dave what do you think about all this Oh,
0: hey, guys. Love your show. Thanks. Um I started listening about, I don't know, five or six months ago.
3: Uh-huh.
0: And I when I first started listening, I listened for half an hour. And now I listen probably close to two hours.
3: <laughs> right on. So it's,
0: it's very informative. Uh, I was calling. I was wondering, where can a person get information on micro markets, Morrill Bay, uh, f- Five Cities? Do you guys have access to things like that?
1: Yeah, we've got some great tools and resources for you. Um, Go to wesburk.com, W-E-S-B-U-R-K.com, and you can start to get some information there about the local markets. But really where the data gets uh, a little bit deeper, you need to sign up for a a newsletter and – because we're not able to to share sold oh, I sold data from the MLS without some kind of relationship. So go to that I, site, sign up for the newsletter, right. and right. then you will get uh, lots of data-rich information and, in fact, even interactive um, data tools that you can use online, and you can dive deeply into micro markets on the Central Coast.
0: Okay. Hey, well, thanks a lot. really appreciate it. It really is a great show.
3: Thanks, David. Appreciate Take your care. feedback um west made
1: my day excellente you are i'm west burke with patterson realty you can get a hold of us at 544-8662 my cell phone 801-7061 go to pattersonrealty.com check us out let us help you
3: i use com honestly about every single day I really do. I look at the new listings. I like to look at um, reductions too. some, just some awesome searches in there that are so easy to click on and really get a good read. I really do look at it about every day. Um, Hey guys, if you need loan help uh, earlier in the show, you know, I always try to do a cry out to some segment of the market that could probably uh, just consider getting help. Um, That's those of you that got a second right now. Do you have a home equity line of credit that is a little bit haunting not quite sure what's going to happen when rates go up or when it kicks from that draw period over into the repayment period. Uh, you're the person I want to call this week. Um, give me a call. Let's talk about it. The, one of the awesome things that we can do is just get a copy of your financing agreement for that second. Let me tell you uh, what your index and your margin is. Let me tell you when your draw period stops and let me tell you what your amortization period will be so that we can discuss what that payment's going to turn into that usually leads its way into some kind of conversation about what we can do with a, a new loan for you um, that would take some of that uncertainty out, perhaps provide a little bit more stability and affordability for you. So give us a call, 543-LOAN, five four three five six two six 5626 or go to the web, centralcroselending.com. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll be back next week with another live episode of Mortgage Matters.